This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everyone. I'm Paris Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox, hosted by Richard Lummis. What makes a great leader? Is it genetic or can you learn leadership skills? Join Tom Fox and Richard Lummis in this podcast where they consider leadership from a wide variety of perspectives, academic, behavioral science, history, popular culture, the movies, and much more. You'll learn about specific tactics and strategies that you can bring to your own leadership toolkit. 12 O'Clock High is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, this is Richard Lummis, and I'm here with Tom Fox for another episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast about leadership. In these discussions, we draw what we hope are interesting examples from our own experiences, history, business, literature, and politics to examine what constitutes good leadership and extract lessons we can use to improve our own leadership skills. Welcome back, Tom. Thank you, Richard. We're recording this in February. So, following our custom of previous years, we picked some best picture-winning films with leadership as a key theme to discuss. Our movie today needs little introduction, and I'm surprised we haven't covered it before. Casablanca was rushed into release in 1942 to take advantage of the publicity related to the Allied invasion of North Africa. It was nominated for eight Oscars and won Best Picture, Best Director from Michael Curtiz, and Best Adapted Screenplay in the following year's Academy Awards. As Wikipedia puts it, the film was a solid, if unspectacular, success in its initial run. It cost about a million dollars to make and grossed almost eight million, about equally split between domestic and foreign grosses. The film received generally good reviews, and despite a New Yorker review that described it as pretty tolerable, it's now regarded, of course, as one of the greatest films of all time. It's easy to quibble about some of the scenes in the film, such as when Captain Renault claims to have been there when the Americans blundered into Berlin in 1918, but the film retains remarkable emotional power and resonance. The movie is based on an unproduced play titled Everybody Comes to Rick's. It's set in 1941, prior to Pearl Harbor, and Richard Blaine runs a nightclub illegal casino in Casablanca, a city overrun with refugees fleeing the Nazi takeover of Europe. Claude Rains is Captain Renault, the corrupt Vichy French prefect of police. Sidney Greenstreet has a fairly minor role as Signore Ferrari, owner of the Blue Parrot, a downmarket competitor to Rick's Cafe American. Peter Lorre is Ugarte, a petty crook who steps up his game to murder two German couriers and steal priceless letters of transit, permitting the bearers to travel freely to neutral Portugal and thus escape to America. Paul Hunride is Victor Laszlo, a famous Czech resistance leader on the run from Nazis. And of course, Humphrey Bogart is Rick. Ingrid Bergman is Ilse Lund, the center of a love triangle between Laszlo and Rick. Julie Wilson, who's actually a drummer, plays Sam, the piano player, as a friend and confidant of Rick. Plot should be familiar to all of you. If not, just go watch it right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't bother to summarize the rest of it. It's, uh, it's fairly complicated, but, uh, but just a lot, of, a lot of fun. really is a wonderful film. Tom, what did you think about, what are your favorite scenes in this one? So I had a couple, and maybe I could pitch that question to you after I uh, uh, go over them. Uh, I have to say, 
For me, one of the greatest movie scenes of all time is when Captain Renault announced he's shocked, just shocked <laughs> to find gambling going on uh, at Rick's Casino and shuts him down uh, at the uh, order of <clears throat> the German uh, commander who has come into Casablanca. It is uh, one, one thing about this movie is the timing, the timing of the lines, the timing of the retorts. I suppose that is great film editing, but um, the, uh, it's clear these actors enjoyed working with each other, and they did a, a great job. And uh, when Rick asked, why are you shutting me down? That's when uh, Renault says, I'm shocked, shocked to find uh, gambling going on here. Uh, immediately thereafter, uh, one of Rick's employees uh, comes up and gives Captain Renault his cut for the night. <laughs> so uh, as someone who uh, pontificates in business ethics upon occasion, uh, that's a, a scene that I utilize a lot. Um, probably the most powerful scene for me is when they play La Marseille. And they do that uh, when a group of what can best be called rowdy German officers are singing some German beer-drinking songs, uh, much to the chagrin of everyone in the cafe. And uh, Victor Laszlo goes to the house band and orders them to play La Marseille. Uh, interestingly, they don't immediately do so. They look to Rick, and Rick nods, uh, uh, a short not of the head, nevertheless perceptive. And certainly with the editing, it becomes much more powerful. And um, he leads uh, the band in La Marseille. As the band plays La Marseille, uh, the patrons of Rick's uh, stand and begin to sing. And uh, it is incredibly moving. Uh, the song itself is uh, greatly inspirational, the national anthem of France. And it shows the, the power of a symbol, uh, the power of music as a symbol, and the power of a symbol to, to really um, inspire people uh, because at the end there are many cries of vive la France uh, to which the uh, German commander um, uh, notes with some uh, forlornness. Um, but uh, to me that was just a, a great scene, very powerful and very moving. What about uh, you? Any favorite scenes? Well, I, I love the scene of Rick with Yvonne where she says, where were you last night? And his response is, that's so long ago, I don't remember. And where will you be tonight? I never make plans that far in advance. Cynic, <laughs> cynic. And any scene with Sidney Greenstreet uh, <laughs> is wonderful. The, uh, there's one where he says, as leader of all illegal activities in Casablanca, I'm an influential and respected man. <laughs> and then the other one is where he, he's attempting to buy Ricks and, uh, and Sam as well. And uh, he asks Rick, what do you want for Sam? And Rick's response is, I don't buy or sell human beings, um, which is interesting because the uh, interracial uh, friendship between uh, Sam and Rick is kind of odd for the time period. Right. Um, but, and, and Ferrari just responds, ah, too bad. <laughs> um, and, of course, any scene with Renault, he's, he's only a poor, corrupt official as he describes himself. Right. Claude Rains is certainly one of my favorite actors. Uh, he was a great actor from uh, the 30s. Uh, he was the Invisible Man. Uh, I thought his role in uh, Lawrence of Arabia was great and uh, pretty much everything in between. I'd forgotten about him in Lawrence of Arabia, but yes, he was uh, he, he was a wonderful character actor. Much missed. So what leadership lessons do you think we can draw from this? I think there's a couple of different leadership styles. Certainly Rick and Laszlo differ greatly. Uh, yes, um, the uh, I was really intrigued in uh, some of the research I did for this podcast 
that ask me to look at leadership in different ways. Um, one was in actions and behaviors, uh, <clears throat> which suggested that um, leaders may actually have preconditioned responses uh, based upon sort of society, how we were brought up, and that those, of course, can be strengths, but they can also be weaknesses if you're not aware of those. Uh, another uh, part was uh, rules of life sort of building on these preconditioned responses, and a rule of life is something that defines our relationship. So certainly you and I, you and I have had a relationship for many years, the, uh, and the, the number of people we have different types of relationships with is, is innumerable, but um, perhaps uh, if you get preconditioned, if you let these rules of life define your uh, going forward, you're constricting yourself too much. And then finally, uh, the last point was, uh, I mentioned this in the last podcast uh, that we did on Rocky, uh, which is the stories and the embedded narratives that we tell. And once again, I'm not sure leaders really think about the stories they are telling. This is not your personal brand. This is not you as a leadership brand. This is a, a communication and educational tool that you utilize for a wide variety of stakeholders. And um, I would just, uh, this may be something we need to explore a little bit further in this podcast series, but the, the stories that we tell uh, as a part of ongoing communication, as a part of education, I thought, uh, thought was important. Hmm. That's an interesting, um, interesting point. The, um, one of the things about Rick's character, of course, is that he has a very um, obscure past, I guess, that, it's unclear why he can't return to America. But <laughs> <laughs> a little, little fuzzy. Uh, but it, and uh, his shift from uh, a romantic who supports the loyalists in Spain and the Ethiopians to the hard-boiled cynic and then back again is uh, it's great for dramatic effect. It seems a little unrealistic. But. So, Richard, uh, one of the things that uh, really surprised me in researching this for this podcast was uh, not so much the leadership lessons, but the leadership lessons from Rick as a lover. And the love story is a central part of this uh, movie, central part of this story. Uh, and I'd really not thought about um, uh, the archetype lover as leadership lessons, but there were a few things that I thought were uh, not only very applicable, but actually uh, pretty useful uh, going forward. So number one, um, leaders have a knack uh, love leaders have an act for helping individuals and groups appreciate this, the, each other. So as a leader, do you get those who work with you and for you to help each other? Um, second, um, love leaders often see themselves uh, as peers, uh, which was not something I'd really thought about, but uh, <clears throat> to have that kind of relationship with another person, uh, you have to have uh, that type of, you're not lording over them. Uh, number uh, three, love leaders heal breaches through communication. That is one thing we've talked about in this podcast series is communication. Uh, but um, the um, healing through communication and more importantly, listening, which is also another key theme of this podcast series. And then finally, um, this is certainly a lover lesson, but I hadn't thought about it as a leadership lesson, uh, learning to let go. And uh, as a business leader, uh, sometimes it's time to move on, and uh, that's something that um, certainly lovers have to uh, learn to understand. 
But uh, I was really a little bit surprised when I uh, looked at some of the archetype lovers from the movies, and particularly in this movie, from the leadership perspective. Anything you saw uh, around that? Well, that that's a good point. The um, One of the things about this is uh, Rick's bitterness means that he can't listen um, initially. And he, he uh, holds on to his grudge and is unable to understand why Elsa abandoned him in Paris um, and, and won't, won't even hear her ex- explanations. And um, it's only when he listens that he becomes able to transcend the bitterness and make the noble gesture at the end. You know, that's a great point. Uh, I really hadn't thought about it in terms of um, it was actually listening. Uh, I'd really focused on the line where uh, I think he says that uh, she pretended to love me and uh, I let her. Uh, <laughs> and But, you know, uh, now that you say it, it really was about listening because it was through listening not only did he come to understand her position and why she made the decisions and choices she made, but also he understood there was a greater um, – something greater than him and that love affair uh, at play here and that uh, he needed to consider that as well. Yeah, and uh, I guess the other lesson is don't drink an entire bottle of whiskey <laughs> before you meet your uh, meet your exes. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the nobility um, displayed by Rick at the end is interesting because the, the Laszlo character is, is really sort of one-dimensional. Um, he's he's just a stick figure of nobility and uh, and courage and it just seems singularly unappealing as a human being. But uh, that was actually his his role. He was he was supposed to be nothing but uh, an inspirational image. Uh, that that's absolutely correct. But uh, also, I learned a couple of things, uh, or I got a couple of insights from that nobility uh, as a leadership lesson. Uh, the first is that uh, because um, Laszlo did not really push the, uh, the issue. He allowed Rick to grow, and he allowed Rick to fill a role that perhaps Laszlo knew he could do, but Rick didn't know. And if we go back to a prior podcast where we took a look at Rocky, uh, his trainer Mick knew or, or believed Rocky had talent, but Rocky didn't believe enough of himself. And so the, by um, a series of outside factors, uh, from Laszlo, he allowed Rick to see uh, that he did have something to contribute, and it was significant in a different way than Victor Laszlo was going to contribute. Well, I think one of the leadership lessons I got, just watching this film and trying to look at it from a leadership uh, viewpoint, was Rick's skill as a personnel manager. Um, he had the head of the leading bank in Amsterdam working as his pastry chef, um, but when Emile, the corrupt croupier, uh, loses a bet, he pays it and says, forget about it, it happens. Um, he's, he's um, you know, his bartenders, his, his waiters, it's, he has a very close personal relationship with all of them, but he, he allows them to uh, lead with their strengths. Uh, the other lesson from uh, uh, around nobility was to be passionate about uh, what you believe in. I think passion can be communicated. I think passion is something that most of us strive to be around. And if we have a leader that we believe is passionate in whatever field you are in or we are in, I think that can help uh, drive uh, all of us to perhaps uh, greater heights. 
Well, that I think that's true. Um, certainly this movie features a lot of characters who are not passionate. They are absolutely cold-blooded like Renault and Strasser and... Uh, I could even say, I guess, Ferrari and Ugarte. I was going to say Ferrari? <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps. So, um, I guess they're... And Ferrari, of course, ends up owning Ricks. So, he probably comes out ahead in the game. He does. He does. There were also some some leadership lessons that I was a little surprised uh, that to come across around kindness and compassion. And these are typically topics that I don't think of as leadership talk, topics, let me maybe explore these and, and see where they may uh, come out for you. The first one is to be patient, that most of the residents of Casablanca were waiting to immigrate to someplace safer and that uh, it's easier to be tolerant when you realize others are wrestling with the same issue. Uh, the second was, and this goes back to the ancient Greeks, extend hospitality. Um, Telios is, I think, what the Greeks called it. So um, when uh, Ilsa does come into Rick's, he extends uh, hospitality to her, and he extends hospitality to Victor Laszlo. Uh, a third one uh, is something I don't think we talk about very much, which is uh, live in the present, which is, and you, you talked about this in terms of his um, bitterness and brooding over what had happened in Paris, and it's only when he overcomes that and he's able to move into uh, the present. The um, uh, one theme is to keep trying, uh, Rick starts out being way too jealous to help uh, Ingrid and uh, her husband, and he gives himself time, uh, does that, uh, <clears throat> a chance to become kind. And then um, expand your thinking. Rick decides that uh, the problems of three people are, are but a hill of beans compared to the world peace, uh, or at least fighting the Nazis. And certainly while your welfare is important, uh, you can develop a perspective of uh, validating the experience of others as Anything there resonate, or perhaps you see things in a different direction? No, I think that's absolutely true. The um, and the um, the portrayal of the refugees in Casablanca is is kind of interesting. It's it's not terribly well fleshed out in the movie, but it does make you think about them. They've they've all fled something. Um, they're they're trying to sell their possessions. Diamonds are practically worthless because everyone's trying to sell them. Um, but they are all living very much in the present um, because they have no future, um, which is a kind of negative way to look at it. And then, Richard, I found some lessons on uh, compassion, mm -hmm. which also really uh, gave me a different perspective on leadership. So some of the compassion lessons that apply to leaders, uh, one we've talked about, communicate. Um, it's really only when Rick is honest with Ilsa and himself that he understands what happened in Paris and it allows him to move forward. Uh, second one, though, is um, I found this interesting. Do meaningful work. Um, I think Rick recognizes that he has uh, basically put himself in a mental suicide position in Casablanca and not allowing himself to feel, think, or heal, and that uh, by changing and doing some meaningful work, uh, or at least he's off to do meaningful work at the end of the movie, um, <clears throat> that uh, uh, that will change. Um, but he went to Casablanca for his health. Uh, for the waters. <laughs> for uh, Team Up. Um, we had a beautiful friendships in the movie. Uh, so when you team up with someone, perhaps uh, you can do more than you can yourself. Obviously, uh, long-term thinking is something that we saw at the end of the movie uh, as well. So uh, some things around compassion that uh, I thought were uh, good leadership points. 
Well, that is, uh, and certainly Rick uh, displays compassion when he allows the young uh, Hungarian couple to uh, to win the money they need to purchase the exit visa instead of her earning it the old-fashioned way with <laughs> Captain Renault. Um, I'm not sure I would categorize Renault as compassionate, although he does end up delivering exit visas for a lot of people. Um, see, I always interpreted that that she gave gave it up, and that's when, uh, after that, she was able to uh, persuade uh, or have, have the exit visas issued. But you're absolutely right. Um, perhaps Captain uh, Renault was not thinking long-term, but he did at the end. Yeah. So, Richard, what are some of your final thoughts on this movie? Well, final thought is... Uh, I should watch this movie at least once a year, forever, because it just makes you feel good. Right. Um, it, it, it's got some timeless themes of honor and sacrifice, and um, I guess the transience of love, but also its permanence. Right. It's, it's just an interesting mix. Um, I, I really can't say enough about this movie. It's certainly one of my top, certainly five, maybe even top three movies. I try to watch it uh, uh as you do uh, once a year at least. The uh, number of scenes that are just great, um, everyone loves. The <clears throat> uh, I'm a big uh, kind of cinephile, and from the technical aspect, I think it's a whiz-bang of editing and music. Uh, I think the acting is first-rate. The screenwriting um, was also quite good. So uh, I really give it some of my highest marks, and if you haven't seen it in a while, check it out. Definitely, and uh, I think it was Roger Ebert who said it was the number two film of all time after Citizen Kane, but he acknowledged that it was far more popular and accessible than Citizen Kane, which I thought was an interesting uh, comparison. So, yeah, absolutely. If you haven't seen it in a while, uh, pick it up, or uh, I guess stream it now. Anyway, for now, this is Richard Lummis and Tom Fox with 12 O'Clock High. Hope you listen next time. This is Paris Fox again. We hope you enjoyed this episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and rate the podcast. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.